We are Chris and Beth Bruno, and this is the Walking With Podcast. We lead a team of brave and brilliant story work counselors and coaches around the country, all committed to helping you come alive. Join us as we explore the sacred landscape of the human heart at the intersection of theology, psychology, and ministry. This month, we're in a series on psychology terms that you may have heard about but aren't always sure what they mean. Today, we're joined by one of our therapists, Kevala Kenna, to talk about something that many of us have experienced, spiritual bypassing. If you are a Christian or involved in ministry in any way, this is going to be hugely helpful to you. You can learn more about Kevala over on our website, restorationcounselingnoco.com forward slash Kevala dash Kenna. And of course, all things about us um, in terms of our digital offerings over at RestoryLabs.com, the space to come alive via courses, memberships, webinars, and more. Let's dive in to our conversation with Kevala. Kevala, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you. Hi. Hi. So glad you could join us and would love for you to start off. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and what leads you to do this sort of work? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So let's see. I'm a counselor here at Restoration Counseling. Um, been really blessed to be here for a couple of years now. And I have, I think, always been a counselor at heart. Um, my family just has sweet stories of me um, just being really always concerned and curious about people and really always very engaged in other people's hearts um, from a very young age. And I think what really drew me to the profession um, in a more serious way though, is is having lived a pretty hard story um, and one that I think took many years and a very kind counselor to help me see some beauty in. And I think that was a really big turning pivot point for me in my life was um, having someone else sit down and witness and hear and know um, and see all the things and point my eyes towards God's presence and intervention and miraculous redemptive work. Um, And I think I was just pretty sold from that point on in wanting to be able to share that with other people and offer that. That's absolutely lovely. And so glad that you're here and a part of the team. And uh, Kevla, I remember way back several years ago when uh, we first met and you were looking for an internship and then started here as an intern and did that for a season and now are full on the team as one of our therapists. So super excited that you're here on the podcast with us and also just generally at Restoration. So, hey, so we're in a month where we are talking about psychological terms and helping to give some definition to 
to people just so that we know uh, uh, what we're talking about when we throw around some of these psychological terms. And so one of the ones uh, that I've heard often and even more often recently is the term spiritual bypassing. And so I was wondering if uh, we could dive into a conversation about how do you understand uh, spiritual bypassing and what, what actually is that? Well, I would love to just say first, I'm so excited to have the opportunity to talk about this because now more than ever, I agree with you. It's something that comes up all the time in the midst of 2020 and one of the hardest years that we've all ever known. And I think with this podcast in particular, you're getting the opportunity to share with other people in ministry who are coming alongside other people who are hurting as well. And this spiritual bypassing is um, just pretty pervasive, I think, in our culture and especially in our church community. And so there's just such a huge opportunity uh, to make a really big difference in this area, to understand this and to be able to... um, just maybe think about it differently. So what it is, um, so it is a coping mechanism. And so like all good coping mechanisms, (laughs) it helps us to avoid um, emotional dress or pain or discomfort or things that are challenging. Um, And the way that this looks is for spirituality to be inadvertently, sometimes advertently kind of misused as a little bit of a band-aid. Um, so instead of, uh, maybe engaging in an opportunity to come alongside someone in a deeper way, um, or to attend to our own hurt or harm, um, I think it's all too easy in some ways to, uh, hand someone a scripture or to tell yourself, well, it's okay. I don't need to worry about that because God's got this. And I think where it gets really dangerous is that all of these things um, are true. God does have it. God is good. Scripture is inherent word of God. Um, Mm -hmm. So what's tough about spiritual bypassing and recognizing it is that um, it is subversive in that way. So other examples, so I'll give other examples and then we can kind of pull it apart a little more. But so someone comes to you and they're, you know, crying and upset about a job loss or even just about a bad day um, and saying things pretty quickly, maybe first thing out of your mouth, like, well, oh, it's okay. Like, you know, um, God's got this or uh, God's good or um, kind of some Christian ease, kind of a little bit of Christian platitude, Um, but in a way that is dismissive, or that kind of shuts down an opportunity for deeper connection or limits um, a moment of really connecting with a deeper feeling and processing a deeper feeling. Um, So again, something that's really good and true is being maybe used a little too quickly um, or to avoid or escape. And so I think just, having some additional awareness around um, opportunity um, and not creating maybe a wall where a door could be opened instead. I love the word bypass because I I mean, actually what you're saying is though the thing that you might be saying is true, you're actually going around the person and around the emotions and around the opportunity, uh, right? Rather than just really being with them in the middle of that. And 
that's hard, especially for people in ministry or, you know, people in the church to want to hold out hope for things. And in the midst of holding out hope, we miss the person right in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think about some of those statements that you just shared as examples. I can think of myself at times when I've said something like that. And I think more than holding out hope, I think it's a it's our own sense of discomfort, right? Like we don't know what to do with the amount of pain we're hearing um, or suffering or struggle. And so it's an escape for us. I think it's less about, you know, wanting to trust God and leave it at that. I think it's, we don't know what Mm -hmm. to do with that, that we just heard. Mm -hmm. And so we escape by saying something dumb like that. Oh, no, absolutely. And it's interesting because you can do it to yourself and you can also do it to other people. But I think in either scenario, there's maybe a sense of being helpless or hopeless um, that comes up and we don't know how to fix something and we don't know what to do with the way that that makes us feel to have to hold that um, for ourselves or for someone else. And so uh, I call it always kind of skipping over the top. So if you picture like, you know, deeper opportunity for connection or relationship or processing something hard, you know, spiritual bypassing, like we just kind of like zip over the top of something deeper. Um, And it works, right? (laughs) Um, And I think that's why we keep doing it too. It's, you know, we find ourselves in those tough intersections where someone shared something really big and we don't know how to help. And we know inherently God really is good. Like we, and I think that's what's tough about it is it's hard to argue with it, right? It's hard to say that there was anything wrong with that response because there wasn't. It's more, can it be a both and? Mm-hmm. Can there be empathy first? And then mm-hmm. all the love and offering of God's goodness that you want to add to that, you know? So, Kayla, what would you say spiritual bypassing does to empathy? I think it um, truncates, it limits, it creates a wall um, of disconnection. And I think what's interesting about that piece of it is that I think if God is responsible for the healing ultimately, and the truth lies in that piece, I think we're also ignoring often that we are um, via relationship, God's most beautiful gift for healing, right? And so when we offer empathy, we're offering this significant, we're uniquely enabled to offer um, and be an outlet for God's healing, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I think empathy is um, a beauty that is squashed in that moment in our attempts to fix, essentially. Mm-hmm. 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 And that it feels like that's a lot harder to access and to know how to do is to have empathy first. What would be some some more honest responses <laughs> that holding the tension of the both and for people who are hearing about pain and struggle? What would an empathetic first response sound like? I think when you're feeling the awkwardness that feels heavy of just really not knowing what to say. I think even um, just a warm 
glance and to be able to say, oh, I, I feel so heavy for you. I feel so sad with you. I can see, I can hear that you're sad. I wish that I had something really wonderful to say that would fix this. And I know I don't. And can I just be here with you in this? You know, I think, I think really there's not a whole lot required of us outside of just our presence and our willingness and our desire to show up and listen and see. Um, but we feel a lot of pressure mm-hmm. <laughs> and discomfort in that, but you yeah, had to be able to pause and even just to say, I don't know what to say, but I'm here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. You know, I think one of the things that I've experienced in the church uh, as you know, the big C church, and then also just in, you know, places where there is a level of spirituality is that people often assume that what's wrong with a person is that they're believing something wrong. And that if I tell them, if I remind them, no, God is good, you're, be- you're not believing God is good. So if you just believe God is good, then things will go better for you. Uh, right. And I'm always like, you know, people don't change by someone else convincing them of a different belief. People change because of what you just said, Cable, of be, someone being with them in a different experience, mm-hmm. right? That the change happens in, in the interchange of the two people coming to that place of that empathetic exchange versus a truth exchange. Yeah, agreed. And I would add to that too, a little bit of, um, I don't know what you would call it exactly, but just the myths or beliefs in the church that are adjacent about, you know, we're not supposed to be angry if we're believers or we're not supposed to be, we're not supposed to wallow in our feelings. If we trust God enough, if we have enough faith, if we're praying enough, um, we're not supposed to have hard feelings to process in terms of betrayal. We're supposed to forgive instantly. Like, I think there's a lot of um, just ideas that keep us from being full-bodied humans who are allowed to feel all the things that we're supposed to feel. And so when you um, can give someone permission, I think that's a deep form of empathy as well to say, wow, yeah, it makes a lot of sense that you would be so frustrated and a lot of sense that you would be sad or I hear you're really angry that, you know, yes, just to be able to normalize emotions too, I think is, is a key piece of what you were talking about. Um, that's just missed, you know, easily, I think. Kayla, you've all obviously experienced this to some degree personally, and you've walked with clients through who've suffered in this way. What does it look like for a person who has been chronically spiritually bypassed, has experienced a lot of this lack of empathy? Um, what ends up happening to their soul, to their emotional and, and mental and psychological state that they're coming to you now? Um, so what does it look like on that end of things? Yeah, it's such a great question because, yes, um, I definitely see this all the time. It's very, it's common. It's common to have others do it to you in the church even. Um, and then it's common to internalize that and to do that to yourself then. So maybe that's even a parent had kind of that mentality. And so then they kind of, that was the legacy in the home was we don't process our feelings or we don't you know, talk about it in that way. Um, And it creates all kinds of destructive unhealth. I mean, we're talking essentially about cutting whole parts of ourselves off at that point. You know, we 
we are humans that no longer know how to be angry. And that doesn't just, what I always tell my clients is, you know, all those feelings don't just go somewhere. Like you can repress them and shove them down wherever you want to put them, but they're not actually leaving you. (laughs) There's like this, you know, myth that like, if I just don't feel them and I just kind of tuck them away, then they don't exist. And instead they fester and, you know, they come out in, you know, addictions and they come out in um, just rampant disconnection from ourselves, our ability to connect with other people. Um, Our style of relating is really impaired because we're emotionally deprived. We're emotionally constipated. We're, I mean, Mm -hmm. to, to be a human that doesn't feel or express anger is really limiting. And we are then it's internal. Then we're, we're feeling self-contempt. We're, um, we're taking it out. It's seeping through the cracks. Mm -hmm. So. And, and to take it even one step further than like, if, if we're not allowed to feel angry and I feel angry, if we're not supposed to be anxious, but I feel anxious, then the internalization of that is that there must be something fundamentally wrong with me. Totally. Right. Yeah. And so I'm the problem. I, I'm unhelpable in, in a lot of ways. And that's, that's a very hard place to be. Well, and so oh. much shame too, I think to, you know, if you're part of a culture that doesn't normalize um, and that does a lot of spiritual bypassing or, you know, I think there's a lot of sh- people come in with a lot of shame. I'm a very angry, bad person. I'm a very sad, depressed person who maybe doesn't pray enough or believe enough or, you know. Right. So in this season of, uh, COVID and 2020 and all the things where we just said at the beginning of our podcast of, you know, now is the time where this is happening even more. What would be maybe one or two things that you would want our listeners to really be aware of, especially in this season with, with regard to this conversation? Yeah. I think I would just invite people to first become aware of where you might be doing that to yourself. And so where are there spaces where maybe you have not given yourself permission to feel or where you notice your thoughts kind of leaning towards, oh, I just felt a hard, sad emotion. And now I'm instantly, you know, um, reciting scripture in my head or something, you know, things again that are good, but just that are maybe being misused. Um, And I think obviously that self-awareness is key, but then I think that will help you in additional conversations to be thinking towards maybe a mindset that sounds more like this. Here is a person, they're hurting. I'm with them. God's God's presence is inherent. We're together. God is here. And so I don't need to lead with that and walk away just having left that. Instead, I can bring my fullest self and know that I am an instrument of God's goodness in this way, just in my my being, in my willingness, in my care, my ears. Um, and to let you know some of those other things that we do, of course, still want to add, be icing on the cake, you know, be to come alongside on the back and leave with a word of, uh, encouragement or faith or a sweet devotion to pass along or, you know, whatever it is, I think, but to let your presence and your heart and the invitation for God's presence, maybe to come first. I love that. That's yeah. That's a great perspective shift. I think for people 
Kayla, I want to ask you, just as we close, the question we've been asking everyone uh, now that we've been on Zoom for, what, what are we at, eight months now <laughs> of uh, living in this digital world? What's the craziest situation that has occurred um, to you while on a Zoom call, pro professional or personal? <laughs> well, way back in the day, because um, clearly most of us, many of us, let's not say most, did not ever have to use Zoom nearly as frequently, are not well-versed. And one of my first times was actually in graduate school. And we had a Zoom like question and answer uh, review for a big exam coming up for a final. And I honestly, I was in a hurry. I was running late. I didn't totally know how to work it. And so it was a lot of fumbling around and doing all the things and getting anxious about which button to push. And all of a sudden I dropped into the room and there may be 40 other classmates and my professor kind of in the middle. And then I saw myself second and realized that I was in my bathrobe with my hair all askew and like last night's makeup, like <laughs> down my face. and I like just had forgotten that it's not like a webinar where you just see the, the other people, but actually where they see you as well. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I never died. So, so I literally just like stuck my finger up over the camera and then I didn't even know how to turn the camera off. So I listened the entire time with my finger over the camera. <laughs> oh, that's classic. Totally mortified. So every, all, the best I've heard. <laughs> all of my clients are grateful in advance that they did not have to be the victims to my <laughs> figure out how Zoom actually works. Oh. I love that. Thanks for sharing and thanks for being with us today on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me.